Thursday's guest on Pop and Packs is a big one. A seven-time All-Star, three-time champ, Hall of Famer in 2003, and of course, one of the best nicknames in NBA history from the Showtime Lakers, it's Big Game James Worthy. See him there. We are connecting. We are connecting. There he is. Hey, man. What's happening? James, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Thanks very much for joining me today. Pleasure, brother. How was the golf course? Uh, you know, I, I uh, decreased the deficit a little bit. I'm still in the hole, though. <laughs> it was fun. It was a good day. Well, hopefully we're going to have some fun here today because uh, this is uh, this is a fun segment I do with uh, with some former players. And uh, you're the biggest name I've got so far, so I'm excited to hear some stories about what it was like to be on the uh, Showtime Lakers. Well, you know, it was a long time ago, but I think I can remember. Well, I've come dressed for the part anyway. Here's my shirt. There you go. Okay. I like that. I yeah. like that. And not only that, I've got I've got a little something else here that you might like as well. You've probably seen this. Oh poster. yeah, some new there balance. There you go. Now yeah. you make now you're making me feel good. <laughs> well, that poster's a, a pretty old one, but it's a classic. I love it. So um, it's one of my favorites. All right. Well, the way this works is um, I've got a pack of old cards here. I'll show you the NBA hoops here from I think 1991. And I will open these up. I'll give you a few clues. Hopefully, you can guess the player and tell us a few stories. I'll try my best. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's see what we got here. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. All right. Whoops. Okay. First guy here. He was a uh, sharpshooting guard, most known for his time in the Phoenix Suns. He also played for the Denver Nuggets and then the Portland Trailblazers at the end. He was an all-star. In fact, he was a Carolina guy, too. But he was before your time there at Carolina. He came out a couple of years before you did. Shooting guard number six. And he played at Phoenix? He played in Phoenix and he played in is Denver. This, is this, would his nickname be the Greyhound, Walter Davis? <laughs> that That is very good, the Greyhound, yeah. Walter Davis. There he is. Yeah, I used, I used to go to a North Carolina basketball camp when I was like 14, 13 years old. And Walter Davis was one of my favorite players right. on the team. Uh, he and Phil Ford. So uh, when you said Phoenix sharpshooter, I knew right away that it was Walter Davis. Yeah. He, he played pretty late into his career as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think he ended up in Denver and then yep. went on to be a, uh, a broadcaster uh, for the Denver Nuggets. And then I think he ended up in Washington, D.C. Right, right. Nice. All right. One for one. Good start here. Okay. This next guy you will remember, no doubt, because uh, for this team, he's playing for the Houston Rockets. But in 1987, he had a huge game against the Lakers in the playoffs. He had 50 in the playoffs in one game, staffed off elimination. He had 1997? 50. No, 19, yeah, 1987. 87? Yeah, 87. Um, for the Houston Rockets? No, no. So he's playing for the Houston Rockets on this card, but it was at the time with the Golden State Warriors. He had 51. And in one game, I think you guys are up three love in the series, and he, and he staffed off oh. elimination. From Gastonia, North Carolina, played at Hunter Huss High School. Oh, yeah. And the only reason that I never won a high school uh, state championship uh, was because of my main man. I used to go to church with this guy, <laughs> Sleepy Floyd. There you go. There you go. That's right. Yeah. Sleepy Floyd. What, uh, what do you remember about that game where he had the 50? Like, were you guys sort of, like, ready to go home and just took your foot off the gas? Or Yeah. I, I remember distinctively uh, we were up 3-0, and uh, we were 
you know, going into game four, hoping to win. And my friend Michael Cooper started to talk trash to Sleepy Floyd. And I said, Coop, don't do that. I said, don't, 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 don't do that. And uh, he woke Sleepy Floyd up, and Sleepy went to work and forced us to a game five yeah. back in Los Angeles. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, why was he called Sleepy, do you know? Well, his eyes were always kind of droopy. Right. Uh, he looked like one of the one of the seven dwarfs, uh, <laughs> especially when he walked into a gymnasium. He always had to like refocus his eyes. So wow. uh, that 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 nickname has been around for a long time. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, doing well. Two for two here. Okay, this next guy. Uh, you most notably remember this guy. He played for the Atlanta Hawks. He bounced around a little bit. He played the Spurs and the Clippers. In fact, he's a current coach of the LA Clippers. Yeah, also was the uh, uh, the king of flopping. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people thought it was uh, Vlade Diva, but uh, Doc Rivers, um, you know, a, a, a steady defensive player yep. out of Marquette, uh, was a, was a was a really good defensive player for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, and uh, won a championship with. Uh, I can't remember the team that he won an NBA championship with. I think they were St. Louis or something like that. Oh, oh yeah. But anyway, yeah, it, was, um, it was Boston, but I, I hate saying that word. Sorry, let me ask you this then, you know, because, you know, with this whole bubble idea in Orlando, you know, one of the teams that could make it could be the Clippers and it could be the Celtics. If, if the finals was the Clippers versus the Celtics, who would you cheer for? I'm not even going to acknowledge that that question. <laughs> so you, there wouldn't be any Los Angeles loyalty there. You just uh, you know, if you would have said the Lakers and the Celtics, then I would have given your answer, or the Lakers and the Clippers. But yeah, yeah, I have yeah. no answer for you there. Okay, okay, that's good. It shows that it's, uh, there's still some passion there. Nothing. Uh, time that's hasn't right. eased those wounds there. Okay. Well, this next guy, uh, one of my favorite players of all time because he hit two of the biggest free throws in NBA All-Star Game history. 1987 as well. Going back to 1987, you might remember this guy. You got Rolando him. Blackman. There you go, Rolando Blackman, yeah. 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 Rolando Blackman played for Kansas State. Yeah. Uh, really the heart and soul of the Dallas Mavericks franchise. A great team player, a great leader. They had Mark Aguirre yep. and some other players. But Rolando Blackman was uh, was clutch and was definitely clutch in that all-star game where we were able to win on his free throws. He sent it into overtime, and we took it from there. What, what do you remember when he went to the free throw line there? Did you think he was going to knock him down? I mean, a lot of pressure there. Yeah, yeah, and I think he was receiving a lot of, uh, a lot of trash talk. <laughs> and I can't remember what he said when he made it, but it was he said, he said something. I remember what he, or something like that. He said, confidence, baby, confidence. Confidence, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. He was that's a sharpshooter. If you yeah, want someone to take a, a big shot, do you think he was the guy. Been, do you think there's been a better All-Star game in history than that one in 87? That was a good one. A lot of talent, a lot of good teams, um, and, you know, a lot of bragging rights. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of uh, Hall of Famers, too, on that, yes, uh, on that court. Okay. This next one was a teammate of yours for a lot of years. 
In fact, I believe I saw one time you said that when you were a rookie and you came into the Lakers, you thought you were going to take this guy's spot, but this guy kind of, kind of taught you a, taught you a few lessons along the way. He yeah. was a pretty tough guy. He moved on to Phoenix and Charlotte. I think he was part of the expansion draft. He went to the Hornets, but uh, Superman. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 traded we traded um, we traded Kurt Rambis, I believe, for uh, I can't remember. Was it? Vlade or, or Michael or, or, or uh, Kobe. I can't remember, but he went yeah. to Charlotte. Yeah, I, I came to the Lakers, the number one draft pick. And I, I wasn't arrogant, but I was really confident that I could start. And so I walked into the gym and I saw Kareem, Magic. You know, Jamal Wilkes was still a small forward. Yep. Norm Nixon was on the team. And then Kirk Rambis walked in the, in the gym. <laughs> he had on these big old Coke bottle thick glasses. <laughs> and he had duct tape keeping them together. He smelled like Ben Gay. You know, he, just, he had all these apparatuses. And I was like, you know what? He's slow. He can't jump, can't shoot. <laughs> I said, I'm going to get that spot. Well, within about... 30 minutes into the first practice, Kirk Rambis showed me what a real power forward was right. in the NBA. He beat the hell out of me, man. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm going to go over here and sit on the bench and wait a couple years uh, because I wasn't getting Kirk's spot. He was a yeah. monster. Yeah. He was a monster out of Santa Clara. Barely made it into the NBA. And, uh, and the Lakers picked him up and saw that he was a valuable power forward. In fact, if you go back to the 1982 championship game. Uh, Kirk Rambis dunks on Daryl Dawkins hard, right? With two hands. Uh, he has some talent. Yeah. We we just didn't need it. Yeah. Um, there's that famous incident against the Celtics. I think it was '84, maybe in the finals, where Ke yeah. Kevin, Kevin McHale, Kevin McHale whacks him, and you're the one who kind of like stops that from really going into a full-on brawl because you kind of get in Kurt's face to sort of keep him. Um, you know. It was my first experience in the playoffs. I was a young kid. And so when that play happened, it was a lot going on. So my peripheral vision, all I saw was a body. And I thought somebody was coming at me. So I pushed right. Kurt yeah. away from Kevin McHale. And uh, Kevin McHale thanks me to this day because <laughs> Kurt was going to kick his ass. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. I think I've seen Kevin McHale and Larry Bird say that like that was like not even much of a foul. He only just got him, you know. But uh... well, it was it was you know. And in today's game, you would be suspended for at least three games. Right. Uh, that uh, McHale didn't even get a technical for that. <laughs> yeah. Just two shots, and let's keep playing. Yeah. I love it. it it's uh, it's crazy when you think back now. You're right. Like, like yeah. he, he waxed. I think Larry Bird even said at some time, he said, ah, oh, the Lakers started flopping around. It's like, I mean, you took his head off nearly there. <laughs> well, you know, it, it changed the complexion of the series because we were angry and yeah. we tried to play that way. And, it, and we, you know, we, it wasn't our style. So they, they kind of took us off our game. Right. Okay, the next one here. Um, this gentleman, uh, this guy. So, so towards the end of your career, around 1991, you guys were actually not the favourite to go through to the finals, but you caused an upset and you beat the team uh, that should have gone to the finals, I guess, so they had a home court advantage. This guy was the point guard for that team. And you guys... Terry Porter. 
There you go, Terry Porter, yeah. Terry Porter. You know, oh, yeah. one, of, one of the most underrated guards, I put him right up there with, with, with some of the top guards in the league. Steady, strong, a good team leader, uh, big shot maker. Michael Cooper was really good defensively on him, blocking his shot. But Terry Porter was a great player. Not too many people talk about him, but he was an underrated port guard in the league. I, I'd match him up against anybody. And from what I hear, uh, he's a pretty good golfer as well. <laughs> Who's the best golfer out there? Who's the best retired player golfer? Uh, I guess Jordan. I guess Michael. Retired, retired would be Jerry West. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Jerry West is pretty good. Ray Allen, I, Ray Allen I hear, is pretty good. Right, right, yeah. Um, Michael as well. I mean, Steph Curry's not retired, but Steph Curry, we know. Steph Curry's not retired, too. but he's pretty good as well. Um, what what was the key to you guys beating the Blazers and, and causing the upset in that year? I know you won game one on the road, and then it kind of, like, you, you, held, you held court back in Los Angeles, and then game six was a pretty close one. If you guys lose that, that was the one where Magic throws the ball over his head at the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, if you lose that, do you think you still go on to win that series in seven? Well, I, I do think Portland was a slightly better team that year. But we had more experience. Yeah. Uh, and we were able to take away their strengths. Primarily, you know, Clyde Drexler and their running game. So we were able to diminish and keep the games close. Yeah. And we felt like in close games, you know, Magic, we had experience. And that's kind of where it, yeah. where it, where it paid out. Where it played great, out. That, yeah. yeah, that was a, a great series. Okay, next one. So, well, okay, the opposite this time. Back in, uh, back in 1986, you guys were the favorite in this series, but you ended up getting upset um, by a team. And this team, the coach of this team, this is the next card, the coach of that team. 1986. Uh, Rudy. Rudy Tom Donovan. No, no, he wasn't the coach. He wasn't the coach then. There was another guy who was the coach. For the Houston Rockets? Yeah, in 1986. Oh, was that, would that be uh, Fitch? Bill Fitch. There he is. Bill Fitch. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Fitch was a uh, uh, coach to Celtics for a while. Yeah. And uh, not too many players today currently could take playing for Bill Fitch. He was one of the, one of the last toughest in-your-face kind of a coaches, but his record speaks for itself. Uh, yeah. He knew how to coach on his feet. And he knew how to get the best out of players. He's a good coach. How, how, what, what, why, uh, why were they able to sort of beat you guys, you know, four games to one in that series? Like, you guys were defending champs. Um, was it just Ralph and Akeem Elijah one? Well, we took them for granted. Uh, we were already looking ahead uh, to the Celtic rematch. Yeah. And uh, also, our last couple of games in regular seasons were against the Houston Rockets. And they, they, they gained a lot of confidence. And they had a keen. Uh, obviously, the dream was devastating to us. Yeah. But they also had Reed, Wiggins, uh, Lloyd. They had some players, and they ran with us. They matched our running program. And yeah. they also had, like we did, whenever we needed to go half court, we had Kareem. And they had yeah. Akeem Olajuwon. And they just... They just took us by surprise. Yeah, I guess that was the toughest matchup for you guys. I mean, you had a kid, you had, you had Kareem on Ralph Sampson, and then I guess Kurt was on Akeem most of that series, and, and um, Akeem was probably too athletic and too long, I guess. And we even we even brought Mitch Kupchak in to piss Akeem <laughs> off, and it, it worked. worked. Yeah. It worked. We got him in a fight. Yeah. We got tossed out of the game. 
We thought we had a chance. Yes. But that miraculous last shot by Ralph Sampson. I mean, the Lakers had been to the finals in 82, um, 83, 84, 85. And so we, we kind of took them for granted because yeah. we, was, we had just beaten the Celtics in 85 and we were looking forward to a rematch. Yeah. But I have to say, the Rockets were a better team. They played right. better and they played better together and they deserved to beat us that year. It wasn't by accident they, they beat yeah. us 4 and 1. Yeah. Well, I, I know Bill Fitch, I remember, I think he was on Bill Simmons' podcast one time, said that uh, they came in off a series, a tough series against Denver straight to Los Angeles. I think they lost that first game. And he yeah. said, um, he said otherwise he thinks he would have swept the Lakers because his team was better. But, um, you know, I mean, everyone thinks that, I guess. Uh, well, this next one, this is the guy. This is the man uh, for the Houston Rockets who, uh, who uh, yeah, was the star of that series. And um, he, he was, I believe he was rumoured to become, uh, the Lakers tried to trade for him and tried to get him at some point too in the late 80s there. Yeah, it's funny, uh... I played against uh, Akeem Olajuwon in 1982 uh, in the NCAA uh, playoffs. And uh, back then they had the uh, Fly Slammer Jammer. Yeah. Houston. And Akeem Olajuwon didn't even start <laughs> for them. I only think he played very limited minutes. Uh, he was straight from Nigeria off the soccer field. He was yeah. a great soccer goalie. And when he came in the game, he had no basketball IQ. Uh, but I even knew then that his presence and his, his athleticism was noticeable. But he wasn't a factor back then, and we were able to beat them. But yeah. uh, when, when, he, when he got with Moses Malone well, down in Houston, he started to work out with Moses Malone to get the concept and the theory of the game and then the dream shake Oh, yeah. Uh, there was, then there was no looking back after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, where do you rank him, you know, next to Patrick Ewing and David Robinson, you know, Shaq? Where would you, where you, know, would you put Hakeem? A lot of, you know, I always say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is my guy. Yeah. For centers. But if it'd be a hard not to pick Hakeem Olajuwon. He's yeah. second behind Kareem. It may even be a 1A. Kareem, yeah. If Kareem is one... Akeem Olajuwon is 1A, and I know I'm overlooking Shaquille and David Robinson and some good centers, but Akeem Olajuwon, he was the real deal. Uh, so, so defensively as well, I mean, I he think was he's the real deal. Yeah, all-time leader in blocks, and he's up there in steals as well. Like, uh, not many centers get as many steals as he did because he had those super long arms. Well, I think I think his I think his uh, his experience as a goalie in yeah. soccer really gave him the hand. Uh, you know, dominance, quick how, hands, how, play like a small forward. How close were the Lakers to getting him? Do you remember? I don't remember that. That that would have been something I, you know, above my pay grade. Right. But I know it was a lot of talk about it. Yeah. It's been nice. More pop and packs with James Worthy right after this. Fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? Because the sun is shining and the bushes must be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. This kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. 
you can adjust the settings on your trimmer to get any length you like. Keep it short like Muggsy? Okay. Or maybe you like it a little Grant Long. Remember that dude? Yeah, he played forever. Thousand plus games. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two, yes, count them, two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, thank you very much, and the Patented High Performance Anti-Chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Great, Scott! That underwear sounds like it's from the future. High performance, anti-chafing, amazing. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC. In the United States, on average, it takes around 29 days to see a doctor. And guys, when it comes to sex, if you're dealing with erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. It's the one area of late night intimacy where it's better to be fast. And have I got some good news for you. Our friends at Roman have built a platform that connects you with a licensed doctor in your state or from the comfort of your own home on your schedule. Just log in and complete a free online visit and you'll hear back from a US licensed physician within 24 hours. And guys, if you're on a promise, you know that time is of the essence. We all do. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. And there's more good news. For guys who don't like commitment, then this is perfect because you can cancel at any time. So if it doesn't work out or is not right for you, then you can ghost Roman guilt-free. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash nodunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com nodunks for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, this next guy you had some some good battles with um, in, in the finals again. And uh, this guy had one of the most heroic finals performances in Los Angeles in Game Six of the '88 Finals. And uh, man, he was he was hurting he was hurting after this because they led the series three-two, but then lost in seven. But he had one of the most uh, miraculous performances in Game Six. Isaiah Thomas. Oh yeah. Also, uh, we were in the same class, class of '79. Wow. High school. We played in McDonald's high school games together. Also played against uh, Isaiah Thomas in 1981, North Carolina versus the Indiana Hoosers. We lost to them. And uh, no matter what you say, I don't know if there's any point guards in the league that I would pick over him. Obviously, you're talking about current players shooting the three. But when it's crunch time, there's no other point guard that – that that's better than Isaiah Thomas. Nobody. Yeah. The, um, you know, that game six, I mean, you guys only won game six by one point and went on to win game seven by three, but Isaiah didn't really play. I mean, you know, were you were you pretty worried uh, in game six there, you know, down in the series through two? Because they won game one in L.A. as well. Always worried. You know, Detroit was a, was a tough team, Isaiah. Obviously, their leader, you know, hitting 39 so points on one ankle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were always worried, but we, you know, we knew that when we came back to L.A., we were down two games and we had to win two. They were, yeah. um, you know, known as the bad boys, but, like, throughout the 80s when you went up against the Celtics, like, physically, it wouldn't have been much of a difference, I don't expect. Cause, I mean, all those Celtics-Lakers series were so physical. So by the time the bad boys came along, 
I mean, you guys were used to that sort of style, I yeah. guess. Yeah, bad, bad boys meant nothing to us. <laughs> Maybe to Jordan, and, you know, it was just a name. Yeah. We, we'd already played against the Celtics. Yeah. You know, Utah was a physical team. Right. The Utah Jazz, so, yeah, didn't mean anything. Right. Um, okay, this next guy, uh, he came off the bench for uh, the Seattle Supersonics, a team you also played in the playoffs 87 and 89. You had a good series against them, even though I think you swept them both times, but they were a pretty physical team. This guy was a forward center. Um, what can I say? He's out of Virginia. Hmm. hmm. Out of Virginia? Yeah, out of Virginia. Would that, be, would that, be, uh, would that be Old and Polonies? Oh, you betcha it would be. There you go. Yeah. Old and Polonies. Uh, Old and Polonies was a seven-footer. Right. Uh, a banger. And he was one of those seven-footers that coaches like to have on their team because he's physical. Um, you know, he can get you some offensive rebounds. And, you know, he's just good energy. He was always good energy, positive. And uh, Olden, Olden P was a clipper for a little while. Yeah. And I used to see him in L.A. And uh, he had a house in Santa Monica where he used to have late-night parties. Right. <laughs> and I told him, I said, old in the Polonies. I said, you're in the wrong neighborhood, bro. <laughs> to be having these kind of parties. And he was only there for a few weeks. <laughs> you guys um, you guys in 89 were down 29 points in game four. And you came back and won that, won that series. You had a pretty big game. I think you had 33 points in that game. Um, but Seattle is one of those crazy, uh, crazy arenas where the fans are going mad. And they were up so big so early. But then you guys came back and, and won pretty easily. Like... Was that maybe like when you look about go back to that Sleepy Floyd game where you kind of overlooked them a little bit that you, you decided to lock in and end that series in four? Well, they had a good team. They were well coached by bigger staff. Yeah. You know, they had Sean Kemp was amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, well, uh, yeah. They, 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 they had some players. Dale Ellis was a great yeah. shooter. Uh, so, you know, we, we knew that they could compete with us athletically for a while. But at the end, we knew our team concept would overtake yeah. the individual play. Yeah. So it, was, it was a grind playing in Seattle in a small arena against a bunch of young, exciting guys. But we knew we had experience. And we knew we had a formula that they did not. So we knew as it got down toward the fourth quarter, we just kept executing. They would make, some, make mistakes. It's like playing ping pong. Yeah. You just keep the ball on the table until your opponent makes a mistake. And we was able to capitalize on that. What, what was Pat Riley saying when you're down 29 points there? Like, just, just stay cool, stay calm? I mean, like... Yeah, you know, he just, you know, he would say, let's get it to, you know, get it to, get it to 15. You know, just chip away, chip away and focus on the defense. We had to make stops. But you have to, you know, if you're down 29, you want to get it to 20. Right. Then you want to get it to 15. Then once you get it to 10, you know, usually, you know, you put a little pressure on... Yeah. The opponent. So that that was always our strategy. A twenty nine point lead with a quarter and a half left. We felt okay with that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's uh that was an amazing game. Okay, this next guy is uh is a point guard from the Celtics. He's um he's no longer with us actually, this guy, but uh very, very good player. He hit a he hit a big shot in one of the playoff games. I can't remember which one he was, but um also played with the Seattle Supersonics. And, uh, he's, the, he's the only the only Celtic I ever liked. Uh, Dennis Johnson. <laughs> yeah, 
He's the only, he's the only one I ever respected. Right. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, from Compton, California. Uh, played, played at Pepperdine. And uh, won in 77 with, uh, the, with, the, uh, with the Seattle Supersonics. As a rookie, I believe. Yeah, right. And also uh, quoted by Larry Bird, uh, the heart and soul of the Celtic team. Obviously, right. Larry Bird was the guy, but Dennis Johnson was the key. Yeah. Uh, that started the ignition. Yeah. Smart, savvy, and always under control. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, real uh, solid veteran. Suited the, the Boston style really well. Just, uh, you know, cool under pressure. Oh. All right, this... Um, this next guy, you battled against him in the uh, in the Western Conference Finals. He's actually joined a different team in this card, but um, he was a big player for those Dallas Mavericks teams. We've already talked about Rolando. This was the other guy who was a big high-scoring forward. He came out, uh, I guess, the year uh, before you did. He came out. Yeah, Mark McGuire. Yeah. Big butt. <laughs> yeah, Mark McGuire was, uh, was an exceptional scorer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he wasn't very tall, but knew how to use his body. Uh, like, he put that butt on you and bump you off. <laughs> he could shoot. And uh, he could also, uh, you know, pretty good post-up player. Yeah. Uh, when he was with the Mavericks, was fortunate enough to, to replace Adrian Dantley. Yeah. For the Pistons and to go on to win uh, two championships with his buddy Isaiah Thomas. That was another tough series you guys had in 88 against the Mavericks. Um, you know, they were a good team. But as soon as they traded away Mark Aguirre, they kind of fell apart, Dallas, after that for, uh, you know, most of the 90s. Well, it's funny. Uh, the one time I was uh, rumored to be traded was going to be for Mark Aguirre and Roy Tarpley. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, that trade didn't go through. Uh, but Mark Aguirre went on to Detroit and was able to succeed there. How, like, how, how tough is it to deal with that sort of speculation, knowing that you might be traded and you go into a you know, team that's like a rival and, uh, you, yeah, know, you know. Like, it's part of business, you yeah. know. As long as you are a commodity, you, you, you're safe, you know. Uh, right. it's, not, it's not a long career. Yeah. I love Los Angeles, but I was prepared because I knew that in order to make a trade, they weren't going to trade Magic or Kareem, and yeah. so in order to, they wanted something. Yeah, is going to be me. So, yeah, I was always cool with that. Yeah, yeah, it must be uh, must must be weird though when you you know like that's out there. I saw that I was looking up before uh, just reading through some of your career, and it said that the Tarpley Aguirre deal nearly happened, but I think Jerry West in the end said no. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so. they didn't want to. They didn't want to see me coming back into the forum dropping big numbers. They didn't want to see me. Because <laughs> it definitely would have happened. Well, this guy, this next guy, was a uh, pretty sweet shoot, sweet shooting guy out of St. John's. He went on to be a member of the Dream Team. A little lefty. He put up a few big numbers in his career. I tell you, I watched him in college, and uh, he's a small forward, and they said he was just going to dominate. And I was a small four, and I was like, I'm going to eat him for lunch. And when I played against Chris Mullins the first time, I quickly realized that uh, he had a special talent. Yeah. The guy could shoot, um, and he didn't need a lot of room to do it. Really strong upper body. Yeah. And he knew how to 
gets you off of him and move without the basketball really well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I was mistaken to think that I could dominate him. He dropped a few <laughs> numbers on me. Really? Is that uh, right? Yeah, but uh, I had to give it back to him yeah. really, really quickly. But, you know, like you said, uh, Olympian, uh, great guy, St. John, Lucana Saka. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, when you think about how his career started, because it got off to a bit of a rocky start, pretty pretty big that he was able to make the dream team in the end. I mean, that's, uh, that's the one team that everyone wanted to make. No doubt. And, uh, you know, Chris Mullen had proven uh, that he could handle – adversity and come out good on the other end uh, yeah. sharpshooter perfect for the olympics because yeah. you need those guys that can stretch the floor and shoot at will all right we've got two cards to go here um this next guy um we talked about rolando blackman's uh free throws in the 87 all-star game well this guy was actually a replacement player for ralph sampson and he, uh, and he went on to start the game, and I think he's the only player in NBA history who, who was a replacement player to go on to win MVP. Tom Chambers. There he is, Big Tom. Big Tom. Yeah, Magic Johnson made sure uh, that we fed him the ball because yeah. the game was played in his home, uh, and the team he played for at the time was Seattle. Yeah. Uh, Tom Chambers was a very athletic player. You know, a lot of people said, white men can't jump. <laughs> well, Tom, Tom proved that wrong. Yeah. Uh, Tom, you know, he, he was very athletic, um, you know, a, a, a tough guy to, to deal with in the post and was very successful you know, on the Phoenix and doing a great job uh, as a broadcaster now uh, yeah. with the Phoenix Suns. I remember Pat Riley was asked one time about, um, because as the coach, he can choose whoever he wanted to start that game. And he said there was no question in his mind he was going with the yeah. hometown guy. Like, no doubt. <laughs> turned out to be a pretty smart decision too. All right, this next guy. Um, so he came over from Yugoslavia, played with you, played with you, and uh, turned into a very, very talented player and uh, spent most of his career, I guess, his best years with the Sacramento Kings. But... Uh, when he came over, he was uh, yeah. Yeah, a highly touted big man. <clears throat> Didn't speak any English and had an interpreter. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought he spoke English. I think he just had to interpret to fool everybody. <laughs> also, uh, he'll deny this, uh, but after practice, we would have meetings in the locker room. And the first couple of practice, Vladi Divac would roll his own cigarettes <laughs> in the locker room. <laughs> And someone said, I, I thought it was marijuana at first. <laughs> and someone said, Flotty, what are you doing? He said, oh, we can't smoke. I was like, no, can't smoke. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Vladi was, uh, Vladi was uh, another guy that kind of mastered the flop. Right. Uh, but was a seven-footer with a lot, of, a lot of tricks. Yeah. Good shooter, very savvy. Uh, and... Uh, we loved Vladi. He was, he was a great teammate and doing a great job up in Sacramento as, uh, as president of that, of that organization right now. You know, uh, when he comes over, you mentioned there he didn't speak much uh, English, so he has to learn the language, he has to learn the culture, he has to learn the offense and the defense, but um, how long did it take him to learn the rules of the Forum Club? About five minutes. Vladi <laughs> knew all Vladi slept all day and as most European or international people their nightclubs are 
late night. Yeah. So Vladi found a couple of European night joints, and uh, that's where he hung out. And he'd right. come in, come into practice, and, you know, kind of sleepy and ready to go. You know, um, after the last dance documentary, a lot of people were saying, what should be the next sports documentary? What, what do you think about a 10-part documentary of the Forum Club? <laughs> that would be a 20-part series, bro. <laughs> and then uh, it had to be a lot of disclosures. <laughs> yeah, do you, think, do you think everyone would volunteer to go on camera for that, or do you think there'd be a few anonymous, uh, a few anonymous people? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we want to we start digging up those stories. <laughs> Is it and still there, open? There, there were people that I had friends in Atlanta that worked for Delta Airlines, so it was easy for them to get on a flight. Right. They would leave Atlanta three o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock, to come to a Laker game. Now I would leave them tickets. They never came into the arena. <laughs> They went straight to the form club, got seats at the bar, so they could be ready for after the game. <laughs> okay? So they would have fun in the form club until around 12 o'clock. Then they get on the red eye. Right. Fly back <laughs> to Atlanta. Just to get the form club, man. Oh, man. Because everybody who was anybody came through yeah. there. If you were a Hollywood star, Mick Jagger, all the ladies. Yeah. And, and Dr. Bus had a section yeah. where he held court over there. <laughs> and it was just, it was fabulous before fabulous became popular. Right. Is it still open? Uh, the forum is still open, uh, primarily for music. Yeah. Uh, they have refurbished the form club. It looks really different now, but it's right. still the form club. Yeah. But it's not. There's a lot of stories <laughs> on the wall, baby. A lot of ghosts in there, man. Oh, I, man. I walked in there for the first time in about 25 years, and all these ghosts came out of the wall and said, yeah. hey, remember when? <laughs> remember this? Hey, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I think I'm going to pitch this idea to someone. I think there could be a nice documentary out of this one. <laughs> Just the Forum Club, baby. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Don't worry about the Lakers or anything like that. Just the Forum Club itself. Yeah. I mean, everyone from all around the world, people can, uh, entertainers, musicians, and stars from everywhere will have something to contribute, I'm sure. If you think the Game of Thrones was big, <laughs> the Forum Club will be bigger. Well, this has been awesome, James. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate right it. It's been, uh, it's been great listening to those stories, man. I don't think I missed one. No, I don't think so. I think yeah. uh, I think you did pretty well, which is good. It was uh, there was obviously you played against. Uh, well, you would have played against all of these guys, or played with some of them as well. So uh, that's right. That's you right. It. You set the standard. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.